Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So there's a narrative that's been kind of forming around Georgia, and I'm not quite so sure I'm on board with this being as significant or even as real as some people seem to think that it is. It goes along these lines that, well, in 2021, when you look at the Georgia defensive line, a national championship team was led by future first-round picks like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker. And last year, Georgia's second straight national championship came while being led on the defensive line by a guy like Jalen Carter, who may be the most talented player of all to play at Georgia over the course of the last couple of years. Obviously, a first-round pick, top-ten pick, getting ready to begin his NFL career. And when you look at this current Georgia defensive line in 2023, you don't necessarily see a Jalen Carter on that defensive line from the ranks of the defensive tackles, or you don't necessarily see you know what Georgia had in 2021. That's not quite what Georgia appears to have right now. Now, the reason why I don't necessarily buy into the narrative as it's currently being formed is, is what I think I see for Georgia kind of taking shape is a much more conventional style of defense where Georgia's defensive tackles function more like defensive tackles, not the superstar type guy that Jalen Carter would have been, or perhaps a Jordan Davis would have been before that. The Georgia's defensive lineman this year might be a little bit like what traditional defensive linemen, and I mean defensive tackles specifically when I say this, uh, they, they may be traditional defensive tackles where sometimes it's kind of hard to measure in stats what it is they provide for the team, but the statistical accomplishments that Georgia have may be more likely to come from the outside defensive end if you want to kind of separate that out from defensive tackle for a moment outside linebacker perhaps and if you really kind of close your eyes and get the picture of this isn't that sort of what a traditional defense kind of looks like whether in a 4-3 or 3-4 whatever else that we kind of have this picture of hey the superstar player in that defense is probably coming from the outside edge and that's the guy trying to come to get to the quarterback and I think this year by the time Georgia plays its most important games by the time this defense fully rounds into the shape that it's going to be when everybody's kind of out there and everybody's sort of doing their thing at the highest possible level I think this is going to be a defense that's just a little bit more conventional perhaps where the the dominant superstar level play maybe comes from the outside edge maybe a little bit more than it has for Georgia in the past but nonetheless until that happens the narrative is going to persist of you know what does Georgia not have with its defensive front this year defensive tackles in particular what does it not have that it's had in the past and is there a chance for instance a upcoming incoming freshman like Jordan Hall could eventually grow into this year what a Jalen Carter has been or what guys like Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis have been before that and this week you know Kirby Smart kind of addressed that topic of do you need to have one of these you know you know elite high-end defensive tackles do you need to have one of these guys the way you have the last couple of years to be as successful as you want to be defensively and Kirby Smart kind of gave an interesting answer to that whether it's Hall or somebody else about the idea of how much of that is really needed right now this is Kirby Smart need or want I mean you you always want um really disruptive violent quick uh twitchy players everybody wants that and you, you you, you need both. You need someone that can do that. You need somebody that can anchor and handle double teams and strike blocks. Um, you have guys that can be disruptive. Uh, I just don't know if they can do it and consistently do it and stop the run as well without guessing sometimes. So we, our, our defensive linemen are perfectly capable. There's just there's not that kind of guy. And even Jordan and Devontae were here now. They were not that kind of guy either. They were big physical guys Devontae was twitchy and quick but he was not uh, what Jordan was and, and Jordan was a very unique player in terms of stopping up two gaps and, and, and not necessarily being an elite pass rusher but very comfortable with the guys we've got and uh, very comfortable with what Jordan's doing being able to help us we want to keep bringing those guys along so that we have more of those guys than anybody in the country once again the Jordan that he references at the end there is Jordan Hall the uh, freshman defensive lineman who had a couple nice moments against UT Martin last week but I guess I kind of find myself of the belief that hey if Georgia doesn't quite have a Jalen Carter and its defensive tackle group here this year or if it doesn't quite yet have a, a you know what a Jordan Davis became what a Devontae Wyatt became for Georgia 
I think this is still a Georgia defensive line, A, that can be the best in the country, and B, can be a major contributor to what Georgia really needs from its defense overall. I don't think you can discount the role that these guys play in stopping the run, taking that component away from an opposing offense, and then forcing the opposing offense to become one-dimensional, and then giving Georgia all the resources it needs to then take away the pass. I mean, in like just sort of blunt start, easy to understand terms, that's just what Georgia does defensively. It kind of takes out one of its opponent's legs right there before the game even begins. You're not going to be able to run it today. You might as well not even try. And once it's a one-dimensional mindset for the opposition, now Georgia goes to work taking apart that passing attack and all the things that go along with that. And that you know, is kind of, even for someone like me, not a former coach, not a former player, even for someone like me, that becomes very easy to understand that once you've limited your opponent to being one-dimensional, now you can take away that passing dimension because you know what your opponent is going to do. And by the way, when Kirby Smart spoke on Tuesday night, he kind of talked more about that, that the value of Georgia as a run-stopping machine, and this year's defensive line capable of contributing to that too, the value of Georgia as a run-stopping machine makes everything else you want to do defensively all the much easier, including taking away the big plays that the opposing offense seem to feast on these days yet that doesn't happen as much against georgia because georgia makes those offenses one-dimensional here's more of kirby smart kind of talking about that well i think it's hard to run the ball against us historically if you just say over the history of seven eight years we've been really high in run defense and and when you do that you force people to throw the ball and uh, we say you do more with less so you cover you can cover more with less in the box and occupy gaps if you're a defense alignment or have the ability to strike and play the run. So we, we, we have been good at that. Uh, we have to continue to be good at that, but that sometimes can limit explosive plays because you don't run the risk of bringing five and six guys that often. I mean, I just think that what Kirby Smart's saying there is easy to understand, and it's obviously true, that when the defensive front does its job, takes away the run, all of a sudden now you don't have to – you know, gamble to come up and stop the run or, you know, send extra pass rushers. You don't have to put yourself in harm's way in the back of your defense because the guys up front are taking care of their business. And I want to make my opinion on this very clear. I really like what Georgia has with its defensive front here right now, defensive tackles in particular. I really believe in their ability to take away the run first and foremost, and then I believe in the defense around that. You know, guys like Mikhail Williams will kind of as an edge rusher right now, outside linebackers, the rest of this Georgia defense. I believe you can kind of count on them to give Georgia the kind of dynamic level of play perhaps needs, maybe some of what Jalen Carter would have given you before. Uh, Georgia may still get that level of dynamism. It just may come from a different spot on the defense, and it may actually end up looking a little bit more like what conventional defenses seem to look like these days. I am in no way worried about the Georgia defensive line. Let me make that uh, completely clear. But let me also shift the conversation here because as this chatter was going on on Tuesday night, you know, the idea of who's contributing to your pass rush and who's doing what? Is it coming from the interior? Is it coming from the outside guys? There's also the thought of a lot of these big name players that we're going to compare current Georgia players to first round picks like a Jalen Carter or like a Trayvon Walker or like a Jordan Davis or like a Devontae Wyatt. You know, none of those guys necessarily got huge stats. And, you know, for so-and-so player who's a recruit or whatever else, you know, he sees and it's easy to understand why a recruit would feel this way, but he sees his path to the NFL of, well, i got to go somewhere. I, I've got to get 15 sacks. I've got to get double-digit sacks, and I've got to show people just how good I can be. And if I can collect those kinds of stats, then I can go on and be the kind of first-round pick I want to be. And knowing that recruits think that way, there's all kinds of nefarious programs looking to negative recruit against UGA saying, hey, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go to Georgia. You're not going to get good stats. You're not going to be featured in the defense. We would be led to believe that maybe Georgia lost transfer player this year because of some of that kind of negative recruiting stuff. You don't want to go there. You're going to rotate. You're going to be playing in a rotation. You're going to be asked to sort of contribute to a team concept. You may not get the individual glory you want to get. And it is at this moment that Kirby Smart had one of his best mic drop moments probably of all time when he was asked about, is it harder for you guys on recruiting knowing that a lot of your individual players don't necessarily get the same level of glory and attention and stats that players might get on another defense and you need to understand something this was the last moment of the press conference Kirby was asked that question gave an answer and then walked out the door so you got to understand the full con uh the context of all of this it's one of the best mic drop moments that Kirby Smart has probably had on the idea of 
what do you do to combat the negative recruiting from all these you know villainous coaches out there talking bad about what happens to players once they get to your defense Kirby's never been better this is what he said on Tuesday night well we usually fix that when we show them how many we have drafted and that is silenced because we put Travon Sacks up there and say he went number one overall. We put Devontae's up there and say he went in the first round. We put Quay's up there. We put Nolan's up there. We put Jordan Davis's, and then they don't say anything. See. <laughs> Georgia fans right now are like, that's my coach right there. That's my coach. You like it to the end when he's like, see ya. And he just walked right out. It's like a good stand-up comic knows when to, to leave him laughing and, and walk off the stage. And that's pretty much exactly what Kirby Smart did, which is a perfect retort to this conversation. But let me t- also tell you this. I think this is ultimately like the thing that Georgia probably really needs right now. And I'll tell you why we started yesterday's show by saying that, you know, you look at all the power rating stuff that's out there, the updates after week one, Georgia's still number one everywhere. Number one in the coaches bowl, number one in the AP poll, number one in all of the kind of unofficial internet things that go on right now. No one really questions Georgia's status as the number one team, but here's what we also know too. You know, the chatter right now in college football is about Florida State beating uh, LSU. It's about what's going to happen with Texas and Alabama on Saturday. Plenty more on that on today's show, by the way. It's about, you know, Clemson getting beat. You know, it just sort of seems like right now, like Georgia is kind of out of sight, out of mind. And for those of us who've been used to, you know, Georgia obviously laying waste all the college football the last couple of years, that's really weird. And I don't mean this the way it was in the offseason when you had, you know, you know, folks like the ESPN people who are kind of picking against Georgia or seeming to use Georgia's credibility as a way of building their own brand by speaking against UGA. I'm not talking about anything negative here. I'm talking about Georgia's just not playing very big games right now. It should have been playing Oklahoma this week. Instead, it's playing Ball State. And when you're playing Ball State, when you're playing UT Martin, it's almost like you kind of get out of sight, out of mind. That's just that's just natural. I mean, I'll admit myself. I am way more interested in Texas, Alabama on Saturday than I am Georgia Ball State. Perhaps you are there as well that it's just easy to almost even forget about Georgia. Georgia's so far out in front of the rest of college football that on a week like this and a week like week one when you had other interesting things going on, it's almost easy to just sort of push Georgia aside because it's so far out in front as number one, not really playing important games yet. You forget about them, you focus other things. So for a Georgia fan, that's kind of a restless feeling of, hey, when does my team become part of the conversation again? You know, when does my team play a big game and kind of get itself back in the spotlight again? It may be a little while here. So all the better reason for Kirby Smart to kind of have a mic drop moment this week of, hey, guess what? You know, right now, everybody may be talking about somebody else and everybody may be saying whatever about whatever. But don't forget this. We put five first runners in the draft two years ago, put a handful more last year. and We're going to do that again and again and again, year after year after year. I think a little confidence from Kirby this week, a little bit of a mic drop, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, just a reminder of kind of what the pecking order in college football actually is probably comes at a pretty good time for UGA and its fans who right now aren't really seeing very many people talk about Georgia very much at all. But Kirby Smart gave your reminder this week that the dogs are still on top of the college football world. And by the way, they plan to be there for quite some time to come. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us. Now, we told you before our show started today, at least on video, that we are not live today for podcasts. I don't care. It's never live for me, which is totally understandable. But for those who kind of get used to seeing our show live on video, we're working to get it fixed. It's obviously kind of a mess, and you've heard my piece there on that, but We've had a lot of smart people in here and doing that, and I'm quite confident that people who are far more intelligent than me are going to get all this figured out. We're going to be back doing the show completely the way that you're used to it being done. In fact, I think it's going to be better than ever when it's all said and done, but we're not quite there yet. So uh, we got here early this morning. Big thanks to uh, Kaylee Manziel, who produced yesterday, Michael Carvel producing today, waking up, being here very early, allowing us to distribute this show to you. So... I uh, just really appreciate that, uh, and uh, just thanks for being a part of it. And by the way, thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp there as well. Your source for Georgia divorce. And you know what? It's that fall time of year. You know, it's the time when many of us enjoy having a good time. We're out with family and friends, football. You're heading towards holiday time of year. And yet, for some people, the ability to kind of just sort of relax and enjoy that the way you want to, maybe that's just not an easy thing to, easy thing to do because you know in your future there's a reality that's perhaps going to need to be confronted the idea that you've got a relationship a marital relationship that you've tried like everything try to save and figure out and come to some sort of uh um i guess 
happier conclusion, but it seems like there's nothing that can be done. Maybe it seems like that relationship is just severed and it's going to need to come to an end. And if divorce is an obvious reality for you right now, then the next best thing I think I can tell you to do as you deal with that is to have a strong advocate like Meriwether and Tharp on your side as you go through all of this. You know, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. And I don't say that lightly. What I mean when I say that is, is they have an unparalleled collection of resources, free resources they want to give uh, to you. Blog posts, podcasts. If you go to their website, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com, you can interact with them and learn about the divorce process. Every you know situation is, to a degree, somewhat unique, but there's also uh you know institutional knowledge gain from having done this year after year thousands and thousands of times and that expertise can be you know a leverage for your benefit and you can start learning about this before you even make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp even before you make the decision to have one of those free initial consultations with one of the Meriwether and Tharp attorneys you can use their free resources to kind of educate yourself a little bit more about what the divorce process possibly means for you so please go find them online the Atlanta divorce team.com that's the Atlanta divorce team.com Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, uh, how about this? Our buddy Terrence Edwards, the great former Georgia wide receiver, has decided to get up early with us. We're very early in a Thursday morning recording the show, so Terrence is good enough to do that. We're going to catch him coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by ServPro. And by the way, ServPro is back in our building again this week, so... Uh, we had this an issue with Surf Pro about a year ago, and Surf Pro is back again this week. I'll tell you more about that uh, in, in a uh, quick moment. But prior to that, Georgia, Ball State on Saturday. If you're thinking about Georgia as about a 42, 43-ish point favorite here right now, keep in mind that Georgia is actually 0-9 against the spread in its last nine instances of being more than a 40-point favorite. A lot of teams are. That's a huge spread, obviously. And Georgia has a history of not really covering those spreads. If you care about this, the under has hit uh um uh five times over the course of that span there as well only the the overs only hit in three of those games they had the weird uh what is it called? austin p game in 2018 remember that game was stopped early uh so that game you know didn't have a, uh, a you know established total so you're talking about unders being uh five and three over the course of that uh span there of georgia not covering the 40 point spread ball state on the other hand been pretty good on the road as a uh, road dog four and two against the spread in that spot uh, back during the 2022 season so ball state a little bit of a history of covering on the road georgia not much of a history of covering the 40 point spreads my overall guess is now last week ball state lost to kentucky 44 14 so kentucky did cover in that game after a slightly slow start but my guess is on saturday the overall feeling for georgia is probably going to be pretty similar if i had to guess to what it was against um against ut martin in week one you may see a much better breakout when georgia starts sec play next week against south carolina those are the kinds of games that georgia just typically seems to show up for in a big way saturday may feel like a little bit more of a continuation of of what week one sort of was but there is at least one area for georgia on saturday when perhaps you see some improvement compared to what you saw against ut martin and perhaps that's with the passing game carson Beck goes from making his first start to now he's making his second start oftentimes you see a big leap in both confidence and performance from game one to game two and there's an element that georgia offense going to have this week that's going to perhaps work to a back's advantage marcus rosemey jack saying after not playing last week because of what we're going to basically call a suspension um rosemey jack saying is back here this week and his presence in the georgia offense kirby smart says can do some wonders for carson back and benefit the overall offense overall this is kirby smart on marcus rosemey jack saying's return yeah, it really helps. I think Carson's confidence was one of the big things with having Marcus around. Is like, oh, all right, Marcus knows every fastball play. Marcus knows exactly what to do when he checks. Marcus knows the route tree. Marcus, Marcus gives you comfort as a quarterback that he's going to do it right. Not just just the physicality and blocking, because he's more than a blocker. He goes up and and makes plays on the ball. He had huge catches last year over the middle, the end zone catch against Tennessee. I mean, he's just very reliable. And uh, I think having him back gives all those guys a little more swagger and confidence at receiver because he's out there. And it takes a little bit of a load off the other guys in terms of volume. So it's a little bit more swagger, a little bit more confidence. That's what Kirby Smart sounds like there. He expects to see from the Georgia passing attack on Saturday. The presence of Marcus Rosemey-Jackson perhaps helps that. So 
keep your eye on that. If you're looking for an area in which perhaps Georgia improves, maybe a little bit more crispness, a little bit more cohesion to the passing attack. Carson Beck perhaps a little bit more comfortable. We said before, at some point in time this month, we'd like to see Carson have his kind of Stetson Bennett versus UAB moment, like back in 2021 when Bennett threw five touchdowns that day. I don't know that we quite get that from Carson here against uh, Ball State, and it's probably okay if we don't. But the presence of Marcus Rosemey Jackson back on the field gives Georgia a little bit more of a, of a weapon to use, and perhaps that makes a big difference for the Georgia offense on Saturday. That is around the doghouse, and it's presented today by Serve Pro. And so, yeah, you look around our hallway, not in our actual, you know, kind of, you know, Dog Nation World headquarters here, but outside the that part in our hallway here of our building we've had serve pro going the last few days i guess there was a water break of some kind that must have happened on saturday i believe and so the restoration special has been here doing the cleanup we've now seen it a couple of times they were in our building a year ago they were uh, on our floor here this week there as well so we've had a lot of interactions with serve pro and we can say firsthand that when it comes to fire damage or water intrusion those types of things that can cause a big mess the restoration specialists of serve pro can clean it up like it never even happened that's what they can do for for you so if you've got your own home or your rental property where you're getting some passive income from or your commercial property where your maybe your business is housed if you've got a big mess to be cleaned up around there fire water something along those lines let the restoration specialists of serve pro do great work for you You can find them online servepro.com that's s-e-r-v servepro.com for more on that each franchise independently owned and operated that means you're doing business with somebody who's got a stake in the outcome just like you do there as well so find them online servepro.com s-e-r-v serpro.com all right i think there's actually a very interesting i guess potential playoff implication that could impact georgia from the alabama texas game on saturday we will talk more about that here in a moment also brian kelly was he caught in a lie this is interesting Dabo sweeney under fire from some comments he made post game uh, this week after his embarrassing loss to duke there on monday night we'll talk about that kirk herbstreet has called out ohio state fans uh in a really pretty forceful way uh we'll kind of talk about that here a little bit too before we're done so there's a lot of news around the rest of college football but for now waking up early and i'm telling you what we're thankful to have him uh just a great teammate here glad to have terrence edwards with us now on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and thar from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider Terrence Edwards, you are a good man. We are obviously recording this very early in the Thursday morning because for now, the old live stream just not quite cooperating with us like we would like for it to. And uh, obviously, uh, Terrence, you're busy. you got a lot going on. Yet nonetheless, uh, here early in this on Thursday morning, you're jumping on here to talk some Georgia football with us. So let me personally say how much I appreciate that, and uh, thank you very much, Terrence. Oh, no problem. You know, football has really taught me to be a team player. So I'm a team player. Speaking of football teams, before we're done, I want to talk about your football team, the Milton Eagles, and the big game we have coming up, Peachtree TV, Friday night. I think that's going to be an awesome game. I know you're looking forward to that, too, against Roswell. We'll do that here coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, though, Terrence, um, you know, last week, I think some Georgia fans, eh, it was okay. You know, nothing, you know, particularly uh, noteworthy about the game against UT Martin. And now you kind of turn the page, and it's a Ball State situation where. I guess I sort of feel like it's likely to be more of the same. You know, Georgia gets an easy win. I don't know that it's going to be the longest collection of amazing highlights because I think that Georgia just seems to sort of be more focused and sharper when it's playing better competition. Next week, SEC play gets going. I think you probably see a lot more energized and, uh, you know, just just excited version of Georgia perhaps next week. But for this particular Saturday against Ball State, what are your overall expectations for this game? And I guess where would you like to see maybe some improvement or where would you like to see more information based on what you saw last week? Well, the, the first thing that I would like to see is something that I've been tweeting and talking about since the game. I just think the, the run game, especially the inside run, I think we need to clean that up. I think it was a, a – uh, a good thing, actually, B.A., because there is a lot of coaching and a lot of technique work that we can uh, talk about. There's a lot of technique stuff and take that we could discuss. But also the coaches got something that they can actually harp on of you have to be better in being able to run the football, especially more the inside zone. Um, you just got to be able to move people around. I think we're, we're Georgia. We're bigger, faster, stronger. And that was a disappointment for me. That's the only disappointment that I had in the game that 
we weren't able to move UT Martin off the ball as well as I would like. So there's a lot of coaching and teaching and, and stuff to harp on football state. And I, I'm going into the game thinking we're going to be more the same, uh, very vanilla. And I just sit and I just thought about it as the week went on. Like we don't, if we have to bring out the bells and whistles to beat Ball State and UT Martin, then we're not who we think we are. Yeah. So um, I thought, you know, just play calling wise, I think Bobo only had one head stretcher. To me, is that calling a run play with yeah. no time uh, timeouts left uh, going into the half with only 18, 17 seconds left. That's the only one I didn't understand. But other than that. Um, I just thought the game plan was to line up and just play football and just see um, what we got and what we need to continue to work on. Yeah, along those lines, a couple things. First of all, you know, people have asked me this week, you know, what was the thing that you saw on Saturday last week that was different than you perhaps would have expected? And for me, that probably was the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line necessarily had a great day. And I do believe the offensive line is probably this team's number one strength. So, I don't make too much about that. You know, there's maybe a thousand reasons that that was the case, but it is interesting that you kind of point that out too of for one game, at least, you know, the ability of this group to sort of stand there and maul UT Martin, you know, stack boxes, things like that. I I get all the mitigating factors, but it was probably not the best day for the offensive line this past week, right? No, most definitely. And they just stack the box and they're always going to have one that's unblocked and you, you tell the tailback, that's your guy. Um, what I didn't see, I didn't see sustained blocks. I saw guys running through, and this is not the free rusher. This is not the extra man that's uh, coming into the box. This was the front seven. This is uh, the defensive line and the linebacker. So I, di- I didn't think we we did a very good job. Now we did. I think we did much better running on the outside the perimeter than the inside perimeter. So the guards and the centers uh, have to play better this week. I would like to see us. Sustained blocks, and it doesn't have to be a, a, a Grand Cane wide open hole, but I would like to see just us being able to uh, assert our dominance, especially in the inside running game. And then there, you mentioned the issue with Mike Bobo there, too, and we've talked about that this week. You know, clearly that's a mistake right at the end of the first half, and Kirby Smart kind of called it out that way. I guess I just don't make too big of a deal of it. I mean, I think if you focused in on the thousands of decisions that get made by coaches during a game, I think it's probably easy you know, from time to time to kind of find an error, something that a coach would like to have back. In this case, it's probably magnified because it's near the end of the first half. But for Georgia fans who kind of wondered, well, would Kirby call out his friend? You know, would Kirby, you know, would Kirby, you know kind of lay down the law about – you know something that probably or perhaps didn't go right well you know Kirby this week said hey that's a bad deal we can't really have that again and so I think if you're a UGA fan you ought to take some comfort from that Terrence that that hey what wasn't great at the end of the half you know mistakes get made I mean none of us are, are perfect necessarily but Kirby had no problem calling out what needed to be the case there so in an otherwise meaningless game you know that little bit of a blunder I think indicates that Georgia's going to hold every coach to the highest possible standard even guys that Kirby's got a long-time relationship with Oh, most definitely. I think Kirby, it's, it's about Georgia at the end of the day. Uh, yes, him and, and, and Bobo have been uh, really good friends for a really long time, but he also understands at the end of the day that friendship is a friendship, and this is about Georgia football and trying to put the best product on the field and put these kids in the best position. And Coach Bobo knows that he's been a head coach, so he's been on that side, so he knows it, it's not personal. Um, it's, it's all about uh, putting Georgia in the best position at all times. So, um, and I, I don't think Kirby will now base them uh, in the presence of company, as they say. But I'm pretty sure they that's something that it was talked about in the coaches' meeting. And you know, we just got to be better at that. That's that's plain and simple. And I think Coach Bobo will tell you the same that he has to be better in that position because he's been a quarterback for once. He's been a quarterback coach. He's been an OC. And he's been a head coach. So he's been in that position, he understands, and we're not in the behind the scenes, and we don't know exactly what happened. But just from the surface of it, I think Coach Bobo understands that wasn't probably the best decision to make in that particular time. What did you think about Carson Beck's first start? Was your overall evaluation of that? I give him a B. Uh, I give him a B. I think he he threw the ball well. Um, as, as someone who's been in that position as as a, a football player. Um, we put too much praise on the quarterback, then we also heap too much uh, wrong as well. So we don't know exactly a lot of times if the 
receiver is wrong or the quarterback is wrong? Who is wrong in the position? One throw to Aaron Smith down uh, the middle as a post. So we don't know who's wrong. But what I did see was the, the arm challenge. Um, he, he got the ball out. Uh, we always say if you're going to throw a post, overthrow him, not underthrow him, uh, because that can lead to interceptions and everything else. I'd rather you overthrow the guy if we play the net down. Um, so I was a, a B. Um, not bad for his first start. Like Carson said, this is his first opportunity to start in four years. And, and that, that position, that's a long time not being the guy, being the starter. And I'm pretty sure there was some jitters, some nerve. Um, but I just expect him to be better the next game. And by the time South Carolina rolled in, he'll have two starts up on his belt. And the nervousness and everything else is kind of out the window. And he could just go play football. So I give him a B for his first start. I think the one thing that you know Kirby and this coaching staff has also been pretty clear on is the idea that, and against UT Martin, there's probably not a lot of ways to even you know recognize this, but they make it obvious that that Beck's advantage over the other two guys, because honestly, both Gunner and uh, Brock certainly Brock with a couple of those throws, they had their moments on Saturday. So when you're looking for where the separation for Beck comes in comparison to the two right now, I mean Kirby continues to be pretty clear about this, doesn't he? That they just feel like Beck knows the offense so much better, and I think that for Georgia fans who maybe haven't fully gained their confidence in Carson yet, because he's just now going out there. You know, borrowing some of Kirby's confidence right now might make some sense. Is that Kirby seems to really believe in Carson because Kirby knows how much Carson knows about what Georgia wants to do offensively, and I think UGA fans probably need to keep that in mind and you know understand that at some point in time over the course of this month, Carson's likely to demonstrate that in a big way that he just has an operational expertise about this Georgia offense that maybe the slightly younger quarterbacks just don't have right now. Correct. I just think you know. Georgia fans right now should just, just as as Aaron Rodgers say, just relax. Yeah. Because we wanted Stetson out, and the head coach determined that Stetson gave us the best chance to win. Even after the first year win, he didn't play the greatest, and it was a defensive-led team. People wanted him out. People wanted him out. And I, for one, was on Stetson, uh, the president of the Stetson Bennett fan club, and was like, he gave us the best opportunity to, to start. I, I remember when Caleb Williams was transferred and it was a small percentage of hope that he came to Georgia. Okay, you that's that's a different story having that type of quarterback. But Stetson gave us the best chance and Stetson led us to a championship last year. He wasn't uh just riding the defensive coattail. He was the coattail. So I'm gonna give Kirby the the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing a little bit. He, he understands who gives us the best opportunity. But what I will like to see is, and I saw a glimpse of Carson's athletic ability, but Brock and Gunner gives us an opportunity, especially in the goal line or some short yard or two, use their, really their running ability to just change up a little bit. I would love to see those guys being able to, just like TCU did last year with Matt Duggan, like his legs gave them a different dimension especially in the red zone. So I would love to see those guys get an opportunity to just use their, their legs. I don't want Carson to do it because he's the starter. I don't want him to take that punishment. But I would love to see those two guys who are used to running, probably a little bigger body, uh, to be used in some short yardage and some goal line situations. What do you think about Texas-Alabama on Saturday? you think Texas can win that game? I do. I do. I think they can win. Um, will they win? I don't know. Uh this is going to be uh, Jalen Miro's first test. He's actually from the state of Texas, so I'm pretty sure he's very excited about this game. Um, it, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be one of those exciting games. I hope it's a game like the Colorado uh, yeah. season, where it just where it's just a back and forth. It's just a burn button. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people probably don't want to hear that, but I root for the SEC when they're playing when they're not playing Georgia or any other SEC schools. So I want Alabama to win because that's okay. just our conference just took a real beating this week yeah. on social media. So I, I, I want Alabama to win. I don't know how the other Georgia fans win, but I like to brag that the SEC is the best conference. And when we get beat down like we did last week, and, and Kyle and Kyle Hurd come out talking about the SEC can't play outside the South. So I want Alabama to win. So I will be rooting for Alabama, but I would love to see a game like we just saw with Colorado and TCU. Yeah, very quick on that point. I mean, have you ever seen anything like this Colorado stuff right now? I mean, where they go out when there's a three-touchdown underdog, 
you know, Shador Sanders looked amazing. Um, Travis Hunter, I mean, if he plays like that for a season, he ought to win the Heisman Trophy. He played 100 something snaps last week. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of the person, Terrence, that sometimes would say, oh, the hype is overblown, whatever else. You know, too many people are talking about this. In the case of Colorado right now, now, I think eventually they probably come back down to earth. I will admit that. But in the case of of Colorado right now, I don't believe this is an overstated situation or some sort of, you know, un, unjustified level of hype. Like, that was a truly amazing performance from a team that last year won one game. Uh, I mean, it, it's it, it's a remarkable thing. What do you make of this Colorado stuff right now? So this is what I've been telling people, man, and I'm, I'm so happy that Colorado uh, decided to hire Dion. I'm, I'm so happy because – there's, you know, there's whispers out there that Georgia Tech and Auburn was also in the midst of mm-hmm. trying to lure Coach Prime there. And whatever happened, why it did or didn't happen, I am so happy. And the reason for this, uh, a lot of people may agree, may, people may disagree, but Dion can go and get players. He got these players, 80-something players, to transfer to Boulder, Colorado, where they won one game last year. So imagine if he was in the South, where he's from, and the weather is a little different. Imagine if he went to Auburn. He was to, he would have went into the portal and just picked every player he wants. Because A is Dion, uh, B is in the South, and three is in the SEC. So not saying that he would go in Georgia and Alabama would still got the likes of the players that they wanted, but Dion just brings a different flair and a different energy that he's been bringing. His whole life, and everyone just kept saying about uh, it's overhyped, it's overhyped. Well, Dion been hyped since he's been him, as he would quote himself. Yeah. So just like you say, it, it probably would come down to earth, but their skill position is just as good as any skill position in the country for with any team. You can't tell me any different. The difference is, and Dion said it publicly, and he's recruiting at all times. When Dion goes on these shows and says. Our skill position guys is right there with everybody, but I need the big boys in the trenches. He's talking to everybody in the country because he's on a national syndicated yeah. show. So he's talking to these guys. I need the big guys in the trenches. So Dion is Dion. He's going to be who he is. And for those people who say this, uh, he can't coach. He can't do that. You don't have to coach at that position. He went and got. He went to got Kent State's head coach to be an offensive yeah. coordinator. And big we hire. know what Kent State did to us offensively last year. Big high. He what the type of defense you had. So he went and got coaches to surround himself, and he is Dion. But the assistant coaches that he went and hired was big time. And that offense coordinator that he went and got is a big time offensive guy. So true. Hey, Terrence, real quick before I let you go, Friday night, Peachtree TV. We're excited about the game. We've had this one circle for quite some time. I know you and your uh, fellow Milton coaches, I'm sure, probably feel the same way. Milton-Roswell, fun rivalry. Uh, you know, two very good teams, two explosive offenses. How much fun is this one going to be on Peachtree TV on Friday night? Obviously, you are a big part of that Milton coaching staff. Oh, it's going to be fun. I, I, You know, this is my second year at Milton, and I didn't know this rivalry was this intense mm-hmm. until I began, began coaching last year and understand, man, these two, communi- two communities, uh, not necessarily don't like each other, but in the football terms, yeah. don't like each other because uh, we're so close. Uh, so the both student sessions probably going to be just crazy. Uh, the communities are going to be crazy. And this game here means a lot. Even though we're in 7A and they're in 6A, this game is just as important as any game that's on the schedule. So, um, man, they're flying high. They're averaging 50 points on yeah. offense. And, um, man, their defense is flying around. And so it's going to be a big test for us right now. They're 3-0. and We're 1-1. Um, so we got a lot to prove. We got a lot to prove. I think it's strength on strength. Their offense is probably their strength, and our defense is probably our strength. So we're going to go in and give it our best. But man, everybody's watching. You're going to be you're going to be in for a, a good football game, man. And I'm pretty sure, and hopefully, the Milton Eagles come out on top. Now I want y'all to I want y'all to just notice this. Now we talk about football the entire time. Terrence is just he's he's just as you know honest and and blunt as he can possibly be. <laughs> But when it shifts to his team, all of a sudden now it's, you know, we're just going to see if we can keep up with him. They're scoring 50 points a game as if Milton wasn't one of the favorites to win the 7A state championship. I just want you all to notice how quickly the coach slipped into to coach speak mode when we started talking about his team. Terrence, that was that was expertly done there.
there. You know, you know the idea of we're just going to see if we can find 11. We're going to come out there and try to play against this unstoppable Roswell team. So very good job kind of sliding into that coach mode there. Hey, you got to be able to switch it up, B.A. You got to be able to switch up and know what's important. I could talk Georgia football all day and don't have any anyone to, to put up any kind of bullet to bullet material. But as a coach, I got to go out because they are a very good football yeah. team. And they're, they're, they have been flying high. And it's crazy that my nephew is probably their best receiver, Dylan Williams. Oh, no. One. Oh, yeah. Yes, he, he's my nephew. His dad and I grew up together. That's uh, nice. played football together. So I've known him all his life. I've trained him. So when you see him make a, a great catch over there, so you're in a rush to say that's just, that is my nephew, and he's been trained by the opposing coach. So I don't want him to do anything spectacularly this week. <laughs> he can save it for the rest of the week. But he, he is one of the guys that I know personally. Well, I know the quarterback because he trains with yeah. us with Ron Bill. So I know a lot of kids. But personally, my nephew is, is number one, Dylan Williams, and I hope he does well, but Milton has to come out on top. Speaking of training, y'all can find Terrence Edwards online. Terrence, how, how can they connect with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? You can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, we'll see you on Friday night. Good stuff. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I mean, like, just talking about shifting on a dime, just going right to the – Gosh, this Roswell team is just unbeatable right now. They're scoring 50 points a game. I mean, for those of you that, that know, Milton is one of the absolute favorites in the 7A classification, too. So uh, when it comes time to talk like a coach, uh, Terrence knows how to do that. Uh, you know, that's that that classic sort of excessive humility that sometimes you see uh, coaches like to, to, to do. And Terrence gave you some of that right there. Very, very fun stuff. And obviously a really fun game there. If you're not doing anything Friday night, Petrie TV. Uh, streaming with Atlanta News First, we are going to have a great, great time. And really, really quick, let me say this about uh, Deion Sanders because Terrence mentions that the post-game speech he gave after the win against TCU. I- I'm not even being funny here. That's one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard. And you know, I've always kind of said, a lot of y'all know I'm a pro wrestling fan. Like the great wrestling promo, like you know, Dusty Rhodes, Hard Times, things like that. It's always amazing to me. Like in the moment, someone could do that unscripted, off the cuff. And I would put, like, the Deion Sanders speech where he, like, hey, you know, we don't got next. We're, we got now, and, you know, we're not coming. We're here. And then he calls for his music. And, like, the, I mean, I'd put that, like, in the Dusty Rhodes hard times category in terms of the best oratory skills I've ever seen, like, extemporaneous speech I've ever seen. Like, it was amazing. And so uh, Dion is a major factor in the college football world right now, and that win for Colorado last Saturday – uh, is a big one now i am skeptical moving forward just because it's still a pretty dramatic turnaround you're asking for him to uh, be the architect of for a team that only won one game a year ago but there ain't no denying last saturday was quite a show for the buffaloes now let's get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean you know jessica slater great travel agent she can help you with any of your royal caribbean cruise vacation needs you can call her 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or email jslaterdreamvacations.com she's also got a great website right now royaldogs.com that gives you the information you need to know about the dog nation cruise coming up in april in fact really quickly here there are three things i want you to know about royal caribbean as you head towards 2024 video you see on the screen for those of you watching on video that's the debut of icon of the seas in january it'll be the largest cruise ship ever constructed it's going to completely redefine the cruise experience so many wonderful entertainment options for instance the big show on board the ship they're gonna have a uh, a production of the wizard of oz on the ship to give you an idea of just the quality of the entertainment so many cool specialty restaurants the largest water park at sea all of that on board icon of the seas that's january it debuts our dog nation cruise coming up in april royaldogs.com you can find out about that it's bigger and better than it's ever been before it's going to be on an oasis class ship called allure of the seas so many fun things to do on board that it's going to be the kind of thing you're not going to want to miss so many of you've already signed up we still got room for a few more you can get involved with that royaldogs.com then in july of 2024 how about in port canaveral debuting the brand new oasis class ship known as utopia of the seas it's going to be a brand new ship doing three and four night sailings out of port canaveral uh it's going to be an amazing thing for those of you who have families but you're busy you don't have maybe the full week to dedicate to a cruise right now having a great experience come july out of port canaveral on a brand new ship on a three or four night sailing that is going to be 
unbelievable. All right, let's give you a couple of uh, crews around the SEC through stories here right now. Starting with, the, I think that from a Georgia standpoint, there's one interesting thing about Texas and Alabama. And I've been clear, I believe that Texas wins this game on Saturday. But putting my belief about the result aside for a moment, here's what I think the result's going to mean one way or another. If Texas does win, then I think you have to start viewing the very real possibility of the SEC could be a one-bid league in the final year of the 14 playoff now in most years the sec has been a one-bid bid league we've had a couple of times when the sec's put two in the big 10 put two in a year ago but most years you only get one playoff team anyway uh, and if texas beats alabama i believe the likelihood is increased the sec only gets one playoff team here this year now, that's not necessarily based on the perception of, oh, the SEC's down because of some of its early non-conference losses, some of its early, you know, kind of less than expect- expected performances in situations like this. It's really more about by Florida State winning, they've kept the ACC alive for playoff berth. And if a Power 5 champ has a good record, they're going to make it. If Texas wins and they're finally year the Big 12, that's keeping the Big 12 alive. The Pac-12 and non-conference games undefeated here thus far, for now, they're still alive that obviously the big 10 champion would expect them to sort of make it that that you have a situation right now where where a lot of these teams you know these leagues are just kind of alive for this and if texas loses that puts the big 12's playoff hopes in a little bit of jeopardy but as long as they keep winning i think you're in a pretty good spot with all of that um for these other leagues so to me if the sec takes the loss on saturday i think the likelihood is increased this is a one bid league looking ahead to um the playoff discussion when it's all said and done now shifting gears here for a moment i thought this was interesting with brian kelly you know a lot of the things that a lot of the 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 chatter about the lsu loss to florida state centered around something that brian kelly said he was caught on video i have to say caught here because now kelly's denying it but kelly was doing a radio interview where he said the phrase we're going to beat the heck out of florida state but now kelly's denying that he says that's not the kind of thing i would ever say but there is audio of him saying that and this is the kind of thing that brian kelly needs to be really really careful with because as i said before kelly's a good coach his record at notre dame i think proves that he's a very capable coach they almost never lost to unranked teams almost never lost the point spread favorite nobody ever snuck up on notre dame because brian kelly was a good enough coach to prevent that from happening so he clearly has the coaching chops to be at a place like lsu Brian Kelly also has a very big ego and at Notre Dame you can throw that ego around because there's not necessarily a lot of pushback but down here in the SEC country uh you're going to be called into question and you're going to be held to a standard and when you say we're going to beat the heck out of Florida State you can't later on deny that because this is not the kind of thing that people are just going to ignore that you lie they're going to they're going to kind of call you out on that and Kelly's got to be careful how he handles stuff like this how he handles these minor PR kerfuffles that kind of pop up from time to time now what actually happened here in this case i think what kelly actually did in saying we're going to beat the heck out of florida state was probably more of a misspeak than anything else i think that he was he was talking about some of his young players and things like that and i think that what he was trying to say is we're not going to use that as an excuse we still expect to win the game but he did say we're going to beat the heck out of florida state and he did say i mean it's on video it's on audio you can hear it for yourself and so now to try to deny that, that's just not really the kind of thing that's going to work, which I think sort of shows you that Brian Kelly still got a lot to learn about how to handle things here in the SEC. Speaking of perhaps slightly volatile comments, you know, Auburn goes on the road to Cal this week. I think this is interesting. There's a Cal running back named Jaden Ott. Listen to what he says about Auburn here right now. I'm going to read this. Nathan King is a reporter that gets this quote. Uh, Ott, the Cal running back, says, there's a lot of focus on the name Auburn. But what I see on film is not really in comparison to what their name is. <laughs> I just want to get that into my guy's head that a name doesn't mean anything. Now, once again, I think I sort of know what Ott is uh, trying to say here. But what it sounds like is, what's the meme? They supposed to be SEC? <laughs> this is what this is what Ott uh, sounds like he's saying here. Auburn, this is supposed to be an SEC team. Hey, Bo Jackson, Cam Newton, they are not walking through that door when Auburn comes to Berkeley there on Saturday. That's what kind of Ott's the overall vibe of his statement sort of is and if you're auburn my question to you is are you gonna sit here and take this i mean what is the world coming to if a cow running back is talking trash about auburn before the game here i mean is there any pride left in this auburn program is there any self-respect left in this auburn program they're gonna let this guy say you know they're supposed to be sec but that's not what i see on film 
We're about to find out how much life still even exists in this Auburn program on Saturday. I think that's pretty interesting. Another kind of somewhat volatile comment, Dabo Sweeney, and I think I've said this before, I feel like I probably like Dabo more than some of y'all do, and it's understandable why you don't. But the one thing that Dabo just does not have is a lot of seeming self uh, reflection from time to time he's perhaps a little too self-assured in terms of his overall mindset uh does not let criticism get to him at all and perhaps sometimes you should at least consider the possibility that your critics might have a point so when it comes to the offensive struggles for uh, Clemson on Saturday with only scored seven points did have some red zone failures things like that um but nonetheless even with that factored in it was not a great day for Clemson offensively only score seven points uh, but apparently uh, Davo Swinney is not dissuaded by any of this. He says, if we do what we did offensively against Duke for the rest of the year, we won't lose another game. It's as simple as that. I'll sign up for that right now. Like, I'm sorry, that's a, just a little bit too much confidence, I would say, from Dabo Swinney coming off of a performance in which you got embarrassed on the road against Duke and you only scored seven points. This is where Dabo kind of gets himself in trouble from time to time. And I think you need to be careful with that uh i was gonna mention this i actually i'll do this real quick so kirk herbstreet uh was on the pat mcafee show ripped into ohio state fans what he calls like the 15 percent of like psychotic or crazy uh whatever it was that he said yeah you called him psychotic he says that 15 percent of uh, ohio state fans are psychotic because they're criticizing um you know uh, uh, uh devin mccord right now um uh, the new starting quarterback for ohio state and, you know, this is the thing I think that gets Herb Street in trouble from time to time is this, you know, idea that no one's allowed to have an opinion but him. You know, he works for ESPN. He sits in the ivory tower. He's the one that gets to say what college football is and college football is whatever he say, says it is. Now, listen, I don't disagree with him. There are some psychotic Ohio State fans. We've certainly bumped up against a few of those here over the course of the last few months. But at the same time, you know, the idea that Buckeyes fans shouldn't be allowed to have any kind of standard for their program, I don't quite get that either necessarily. Uh, and I think it also kind of goes to show you from a Georgia fan standpoint <laughs> that Georgia's not the only place overreacting to a less than stellar week one performance. Uh, Herb Street kind of turning on his own there on the Pat McAfee show here this week. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, before we wrap things up here today, don't forget we are back in action again with college football. Rivalry games, upsets, big showdowns all across the board. And of course, as you're enjoying all of that, Dr. Pepper is right there for you to enjoy right there with it. It's the ones that fans deserve. It's the rich, delicious flavor, whether it's Dr. Pepper or some of the uh, Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, or you've maybe tried the new brand new strawberries and cream. It's a one of a kind Dr. Pepper. Uh, You can stop by your local Kroger, wherever you're doing your grocery shopping, and you can pick up some Dr. Pepper today. It is the one fans deserve. All right, to wrap things up here on a pre-recorded Thursday, we'll probably be pre-recorded still tomorrow there as well, but hopefully by the beginning of next week, maybe not anymore, maybe kind of back to live again. At least I hope that's the case. But nonetheless, we soldier on with a smile on our face, even if we have to paint on that smile. Uh, let's give you a uh, golden shoe for today. Now, this is the kind of thing that's pretty easy to smile about. Clint Haynes shares. I think it's really funny. He says, B.A., I thought you'd love this. Those lousy, stinking gators have to reduce their ticket prices just to get some type of fans to show up. Hashtag go for three in 23, he says. What he's showing you is the tickets for Florida have apparently been greatly discounted from 110 bucks down to just 45 uh, Pretty funny stuff, Clint. I'm glad you shared that. We'll give you a golden shoe for that, and we love laughing at Florida. And guess what? Coming up 51 days from now, we get to laugh at them again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We appreciate all of you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll see you back here again tomorrow.